UCF just beat Cincinnati via a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth after Cincinnati tied it in the top of the ninth with a two-run homer. So a lot to look forward to. We'll get you to Scooter, Scott Rogers here in a little bit along with Coach O down in Clearwater, but we've got about 17 minutes to bring you our take on the tournament, on the game as well. We, we were scheduled to have Mike Oresco on the show you know, just to take you behind the curtain a little bit. We didn't know how long or short this show was going to be, so we talked to, to Mike Oresco this morning for about 30 minutes. We're going to air that interview likely tomorrow, uh, if not tomorrow, then Friday. But we'll get it in this week. We're going to try to fit it in tomorrow. Just got to change some things around with another guest. But we'll keep you guys updated there. But we're talking baseball today for the next 15 to 20 minutes. Philip Pilkington is in studio and Philip, we saw an exciting first game of the tournament, and we know that if ECU proves victorious, they will face off against UCF in a winner's bracket game Thursday. If they lose, they're going to have to face the Cincinnati Bearcats tomorrow in an elimination game. And if they do have to face the Bearcats, it could be a very emotional Cincinnati team. You know, they were down 3-1 going to the ninth. They hit a two-run shot to tie the game. Then, you know, unfortunately for them, lost on that walk-off. So, sure, they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder, especially because of the fact they've lost to the Pirates six times this season. If they play UCF, obviously both teams will be kind of in the same boat, having that day off, day to relax. And sometimes those uh, days off causes teams to get a little rusty. They're not used to playing conference games with a day off in the middle, but sometimes it's good for teams. So it'll be interesting to see whoever they face off with. We are live on YouTube and Facebook. If you got a question on the upcoming tournaments or just postseason baseball, anything of that nature, drop it there. We'll get to it before we send it down to Clearwater. And, Philip, we know today that Jake Hunter is getting the start for East Carolina. Uh, we, we really haven't seen him too much in a starter's role this season. He's been great out of the bullpen. We'll talk about USF starter here in a minute. But I think it's just going to be a case of really going back to ECU really just wants to see their pitchers get through as many innings as possible. They're not going to expect Jay Conner to go out there and go five, six innings. But I think if he can get through two or three, you feel pretty good. And just getting off to a decent start on the mound, not letting USF get any early momentum is key. But what did you make of Jake Hunter getting the ball to start with? You know, we kind of hit on it, I guess, a little bit yesterday. But I think he's a high-energy guy, and that's something that you can, you know, built work with, especially in a situation like this where, as you mentioned, it's going to be kind of every inning is going to be like a closer role, as, as Cliff Godwin likes to describe it, where it's go out, get me these three outs, and then we'll worry about you know the next inning. And Jake Hunter's one of those guys, if he does let up a run early, he seems to not get frazzled. He seems to do pretty good in that starting role. You know, he's not a guy who pitches necessarily badly in a starting role as opposed to his relief role. So um, I think it's good. I would like to see Danny Bill today. I uh, thought he looked very good uh, when he faced the Bulls over this past weekend, throwing six and a third, but obviously he threw a lot more pitches than Jake Hunter, who only came in and faced one batter. So the good thing is they haven't seen as much of Jake Hunter. Kind of the bad thing is, and I'll let you get more into this because you hit on it yesterday, is the fact that he's kind of fastball heavy, and uh, that seems where the uh, Bulls have a lot of their success hitting the baseball. Yeah, the ECU's got to be careful with the top of the order, man. That that top of the order, three guys. And haven't seen USF line up today. If, if, if uh, I think it's Bozer is back in in the lineup. He missed the season finale uh, for USF, and he was considered questionable for the tournament. But their top three, Snow, Bozer, and Brusher, are as good as anybody in the conference. So really, if you can get through the top of their order without having any damage done, you feel pretty good about the rest of the order. 
Brutcher homered in each of the three games in the previous series. So, you know, the guy strikes out a ton, but basically if he makes contact, it's gone. Um, I don't know if you pulled up the lineup there, Philip. To, to yeah, see I, I'm trying to. I'm not seeing it on their Twitter. I'm hopping over to Stat Broadcast now to see if uh, okay. any stats are being, you know, sent our way yet. Gotcha. Yeah, let me know when you pull that up and maybe if they have the ECU lineup as well. Um, and we'll get into kind of looking at that. But I think the, the start of this game is critical because South Florida, you've lost three straight to ECU, but you kind of look at this opportunity as a fresh start. Obviously, they're not going to make the postseason to the worst team in the conference, only 19 wins. I've heard some things about their you know coaching staff's future. We'll see what happens with Billy Mole going forward. But – you would think they're going to be motivated this weekend. If you jump on them early for ECU, you just took them down three straight times. If you can kind of get a two, three, even a one-run lead in the first inning, I think you feel fairly good uh, momentum-wise and, and ideally don't have to play from behind like they did in Tampa. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but uh, I know you um, are efforting those lineups. Did you get them up, Philip? Yeah, so Bozier is uh, going to play second base today and lead off for the uh, for the Bulls. So we will be seeing Bobby Bozier. Bircher hitting in that three spot again. Yeah, so got to navigate those guys as as good as possible. If you give up a solo home run, doesn't kill you. You just don't want to give up a multi home run to to each of those guys uh, or to one of those guys. That can be tough to overcome. Do you have the ECU lineup in front of you as well? Yeah, I do. So leading off and playing second base will be Jacob Starling, followed by the right fielder Carter Cunningham. Josh Moylan will bat third, play first. J-Dub will be in the cleanup spot and behind the plate. Luke Nowak is batting fifth, and he will be DHing today. And left field will be JJC batting sixth. And then batting seventh, playing third base, Alec Makarevich. Joey Barini will bat eighth and play short. Lane Hoover back in that double leadoff role, as Coach Godden likes to call it, batting ninth, playing center field. Obviously, Jake Hunter on the mount. There's your starting lineup for East Carolina, and I think a good starting lineup. I like Starlin in that leadoff spot now that he's back healthy, and and Hoover in the nine hole makes sense if he's not in the one or two hole. I just I feel like it, it's it's a good fit, and I know he he had a hit or two in the season finale after struggling a little bit last week. Uh, but I feel like this is one of ECU's best lineups. Bill, what do you think? I think it definitely is. You know, the day that we were talking about the home run threats for ECU and how you know you kind of got JJC and Moylan, but you don't have a true true home run threat. And I brought up that one of the most threatening guys in the lineup can be Lane Hoover because he can get a rally started. And that's what I love about him in this nine hole. He's almost batting one more spot ahead of all the great hitters in this lineup. And uh, I, I like him in that nine hole. He seems to thrive well in there and, you know, get some uh, speed on the bases before Jacob Starling, who makes good contact with the ball. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it. I, I think it's a good lineup. Interesting to see JJC in left field, though, as opposed to right. That was a little bit of a uh, kink in things. But uh, we'll see how he does out there. Yeah, he was moved out there for the South Florida series. I guess Nowak with the DH spot they just feel comfortable with him there and you know clearly with Cunningham swinging the bat the way he is he kind of is maybe best in right field and I thought JC honestly looked the best he has defensively this year in left field like he seemed comfortable he took some good routes to the ball so uh, I thought that was extremely encouraging and, and, and need to get his bat going Philip, because I feel like we've seen Josh Moreland get it going for sure now if Jacob Jenkins Cowart can get it going, too, along with Josh Moylan, suddenly you have a pretty potent offense. Because we talked about it earlier this season, earlier in our show this season, that really there's not not too many guys in the East Carolina that scare you from a power perspective. 
Josh Moylan is certainly one of those. Jacob Jenkins Carrot, when he's hot, is one of those. But I don't know. I think he's homered one time since returning from his unfortunate injury. But we just haven't seen maybe the same pop. And not that he has to hit a bunch of home runs, but just got to get him going, I think, for easy to get to where they want to go. Yeah, because I really thought coming into the season that he probably was going to be our best all-around hitter. And, you know, to your point at the beginning of the season, he kind of was. But now, um, really, like I said, due to that injury or whatever it may be, he hasn't been the same since he got back. So I think it's important that he gets going for sure. But you wonder, is it different swinging the bat? I mean, you never know how an injury is going to affect a guy and – you don't know unless you're that guy if it is affecting you. So I don't know if that's part of it or if it's partly he's just hasn't got back in the groove, missed a little time. But I think this lineup, it's already can be a dangerous lineup because a lot of we can bunt, we can steal bases, a uh, very mature plate approach. However, if he can get going, then this lineup can be extremely dangerous. And to your point, then you got more than one guy who really um, can you know, change the game with one swing of the bat. The man who will be facing that lineup, at least to start with, is Jack Siebert. He is USF's top starting pitcher. He's 4-4 four four on the year with a 4-6-7 ERA. Right-hander has 62 strikeouts against 19 walks and 71.1 innings. 276 batting average against. So, I mean, for a staff ace and for an all-conference guy, he's not unhittable. What you do know is you're going to get strikes more than likely. He's not going to walk you. But you're going to probably have to string some hits uh, together to have a big inning. So that's why South Florida is going with this guy. You look at the rest of their staff, they have one other pitcher with a sub-5 ERA. Uh, but last week on Thursday, Seabrook got the start against ECU. He went four and a third, seven hits, four runs, one walk, two strikeouts. I would think, Philip, much like with Jake Hunter on ECU side, I would think that Siebert has a pretty short lease. If ECU hits him early, I think they'll go to the bullpen. I think they will, not only because of the situation with being a conference term and everything, but as you mentioned, he's kind of a pitched contact guy. doesn't walk a lot of guys. He's got an okay number of strikeouts, but still fairly under one in inning. So when you have a guy who pitches to contact like that, when he's getting the ground balls, when he's getting the lazy fly balls, it's great. When he's getting hit, he's going to get hit a lot. And South Florida does not want to play this game through the loser's bracket, especially with what you said, where they do not have a very good staff. Only two guys below a 5 ERA. I think he lets up a couple back-to-back hits. You've got to yank him quick. Yeah, and I think the first guy out of the bullpen, or at least one of them, we talked about it, uh, I think last night on the podcast, but Nolan Hootie, the left-hander who just shoved against ECU on Friday. He did throw 95 pitches, and he's only got three days rest. But basically just was unhittable from the standpoint of throwing a fastball, throwing a slider, and left-handed heavy ECU lineup just struggled to hit him. All season long, he had given up at least one earned run in all but two outings, and those outings were two innings against North Florida and three innings against VCU. Well, against ECU, he goes six shutout innings and a spot start, four hits allowed, one walk, four Ks, a ton of weak contact. We know that ECU's lineup is left-handed heavy, and that can be a detriment if there's a lefty that gets into a groove. And really, that was the guy, along with Ethan Brown, USF's Saturday starter, who I doubt will come back with the number of pitches he threw, along with shoulder surgery. But I would think Nolan Hootie has to be first on the board for South Florida as long as he's healthy to come out of this bullpen in this game. It's, it's a must-win game for South Florida for sure. They don't have the pitching depth to navigate a loser's bracket. So I would expect to see Hootie pretty pretty, uh, pretty early if needed. I think we will definitely see him first, and especially if it's one of those things where he has to come in in the middle of an inning. 
because if he they have an issue where they do have guys on base, like you said, he did a very good job getting those ground ball outs against East Carolina. That's the guy that they think can get them double play balls if need be, if he's got to come in the middle of an inning. But still, if he comes in to start an inning, I still think it will most likely be him just because of the success that they had, or that he had, excuse me, against the Pirates last week. The other guys to watch out for in the USF bullpen that ECU just saw, again, so much familiarity with this series, having just played the, the same team three times. Tanner Mink threw a couple times out of the bullpen. He's got solid numbers on the year uh, as far as strikeouts, 33 strikeouts in 30 innings. Can get a little wild with 15 walks. And uh, Riley Skeen is their closer. He's got six saves, and he's got a high strikeout number. But very hittable. Weird, weird line. Six saves, but a 7.12 ERA and a 2.99 batting average against. So, again, the South Florida bullpen's gettable. We talked about it. Every bullpen in the Americans gettable, seemingly. So, if it turns into a battle of the bullpens, you got to like ECU's chances. Um, so, I, I just this game worries me though, Philip. I'm not going to lie. I, I think that having to beat a team four times in a row is difficult. Them kind of knowing that they really let two games get away from them at the start of last series, I think will play a little bit of a mental factor. They know they can play with ECU. And for me, if East Carolina is going to win this tournament, they got to win this game. I mean, maybe that's the obvious, but I just think the pitching sets up so well after today. If they can take care of business today, you can kind of get back into a normal pitching routine the rest of this week. So. Even if it's ugly, I think ECU's got to find a way to pull off this game today, get tomorrow off, and then come back Thursday. Because if you lose and you got to come back on short rest with a fatigued staff, you could be two and done pretty quickly um, just because you had to max so many guys out to win the regular season title, whereas other teams kind of save their pitching for the tournament. They did. I guess the one perk to that would be it was a Thursday through Saturday series. But like you said, a lot of pitches from Danny Beal, um, you know, uh, Carter Spivey came in through five innings. I guess it was only 50-some pitches the other day, but still through five innings. Trey Savage through four innings. So, um, it would, yeah, it would be very big to have tomorrow off. Also, just in the fact that you would ideally like to only play three games here between now and Saturday. So you're as rested as you can be for Sunday as well and give yourself the best chance to win that on Sunday. Because the reality is if you don't win Sunday, the committee's not going to fare very well for you probably. A couple more minutes, and we got to get it out to Clearwater for the broadcast. Is it, what, 12.37 is the first pitch? Yep, 12.37 is the first pitch. Time. The uh, coverage will start at 12.20 with Scooter and Coach There you go. A few, few scores in action ongoing as we speak that pertain to ECU's potential hosting watch. So uh, the ACC tournament's underway. Virginia Tech has a 3-2 to two lead, I believe, at last check on Boston College. Actually, Boston College just took a 4-3 lead, so that's bad news for ECU, as ECU probably needs Boston College to lose. Uh, regardless, they're going to play a couple of games. But uh, also another score to monitor in the SEC, South Carolina up on Georgia. So two not-so-good scores there in, uh, against ECU's favor. All right, that'll do it. We're going to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with Anthony Broom to preview Michigan and also Mike Oresco from the American Athletic Conference, most likely tomorrow as well. We'll head out to Scott Rogers and Clearwater on the other side. You can listen to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.
This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Steel Professor.